This is a Think Live Be production. Because it doesn't have a straw, and so it's it's not coming out as freely. <laughs> freely as it should. And so it's taking me longer to drink it. I've spilt it at least three times on me now. Well, you know, it's it's the, it's got it's a smaller hole than the first cup with a lid, right? Well, that was because it had the the Starbucks uh, the cold foam. brew. It oh. has the foam, so they have a bigger hole in there. So they but, need a bigger hole because I'm dumping it on myself. <laughs> well, but you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's good that I'm not drinking it super fast, but it also isn't having the effect that you want coffee to have in the afternoon because it's taking me so long to drink it. Yeah. So I wanted to have like a afternoon buzz of like energy and it's not happening. No. It'll happen at 8 30 PM tonight. And I know I won't be, so be able to sleep because I finish this and it'll be nighttime. Oh Starbucks, why don't you just give me a straw? I know it's good for the environment. For the turtles. <laughs> for the turtles. I know. It is for the turtles. I should just well, deal remember with it. when we went to uh where were we? Uh, Asheville last year. The uh, the coffee places there all use uh, pasta. What? Oh, I don't remember that. Pasta yeah. for their straws? Oh, and, I don't. Yeah, that and for the and for the stirs, mm. they use like fettuccine for the. I mean, for it the stirs doesn't disintegrate or disintegrate. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't remember that, but I do remember. You know. Uh, Lots of places have the paper straws. I'd rather have no straw. Yeah, no, no. The I don't like those ones. It gets all stuck to your lips. I hate it. Oof. <laughs> it. What? I just can't drink out of it. It gets all soppy on the bottom, so nothing but comes through. But it does. It gets soft like from constant the moisture. It's just paper. Who, who puts paper in their mouth? Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> Onward. Uh, yeah, we were doing some evaluating today of um, an old... Um, lead source and had some revelations about how sad it was of all of the homes that sold that we didn't get to to help them sell because no one followed up with them properly nope. what do you mean sad. like a lead like uh some sort of yeah like a specific lead source that we had used um like a year ago oh like and where you like bot leads or something like that you mean yeah and at the time you know everybody's like oh these leads aren't good and you know how how it's <laughs> i know that like, movie like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you think like because people will tell you like oh i'm just curious but what we were looking at was um we were going back through all of the the leads that we had gotten through that service to see how many of them actually sold that because it was home value leads, right? So they were curious about their home value, said they were just curious at the time, then didn't get followed up with, right? <laughs> and um, and 15%, I'm not done going through them yet, but 15% of the batch that I've looked at so far have sold. Sold. And every single one of those said they were just curious. Mm-hmm. So I think that was pretty eye-opening. Well, I mean, we've talked about this all the time, but that's the the follow-up is is the fortune is in the fortune is in the follow-up and it's also like what we were talking about about calling over and over and over again yeah i mean however many times six times within 10 days is is what you're supposed to do that's for the new lead yeah right but but they take at first they are a new lead so you still well, and yes, there's that, like that was probably missed, I'm sure, because we just learned that, yep. that stat. So <laughs> probably didn't do that last time when they initially came through as a new lead, probably didn't call them enough times then. But then also, you know, you're talking about over a year, year and a half span that so many of them have now sold. So they didn't sell right away. Right. They did. They maybe were just curious at that moment, mm-hmm. but you're not curious about your home value or selling a house unless you're curious about selling a house. Right. So I think. So you guys, you paid for what whatever the company was or whatever for, for this list of people that inquired, whether it was through a website or whatever. Yeah, that's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. So an ad to get your home value, they go to a website, put in their information, get that, you know, like a quick snapshot. Right. And then Which they get never to really choose. accurate. No, those things are terrible, but then you get to choose, like, I'm thinking of selling in one to three months, three to six months, or just curious. 
Right. And everybody put just curious. There's and no yet, six plus option. So you went. Uh, I don't think so, but there could there could have been. I'd have to go yeah. back and look at that specifically. So you went through that. That was from like a year ago. Uh, like a year and a half. So you and then mm-hmm. so you had this big long list of names and uh, numbers or whatever their names and addresses. Yeah, whatever or info what, they whatever gave. Whatever it was, and you personally went through and looked on the MLS to see if that those particular properties have sold and that's where you came up with your 15 percent is that what you mean yeah well i specifically looked in the county records to see oh, okay. if it had sold okay not the mls because right sold. Yeah. okay i get it but the, basically 15 percent of the list that i've gone through so far so we'll mm-hmm. see where it lands eventually well how many they did what, sell. How, how many have you gone through like percentage wise so far um of, of the list half uh, a third uh, Ah, well, guess probably a little more than a half. Um, she got a good chunk to go through still. Maybe I'm doing math. Oh, come, just guess. <laughs> um, yeah, probably probably two thirds. Okay, so we've gone through. Then so it's fifteen percent. Probably it'll probably be fifteen to twenty percent. Yeah, but again, I just eye opening because then you do the math and say how much do they sell for? How much did it cost? Well, oh, I didn't. Who do, cares? I didn't do the, all that I math because that well, seems that's like ROI. No, it doesn't matter. But that's, no, but what I did to figure out ROI is just to average and say if yeah. it, if it if all of them were the average sales price, it would have been a six if and using rough conversion numbers because of course we wouldn't have gotten every piece of that business of even so. if we had talked to every single one of those people repeatedly. So just using really loose conversion numbers. It would have been a 600% return on our investment. Right. If we would have just call, called them all quickly and followed up, followed up, follow up, follow up, follow up. And so that's a painful. Life gets I in the like way. I feel like I've let you down. <laughs> well, you're not calling though. No, but I can step up and do so. Yeah, but that's not. With a, a 600% you, miss? Yeah, oh, but my goodness. You, in the last year though, you took on. A TC role along with your regular role, and Catherine was busy with her regular. Obviously, well, there was no time, and that's why no, I turned it off. Right? Yeah. Is, right. Is that you I didn't could, want to keep getting those leads and not follow up with them? Well, and I could just well, see the, spend the, the money, spending yeah. the money, and yeah. not seeing the return. And I've never gone back to see what we actually missed out on. Like, what was the missed opportunity for that source? And I think so often because. You know, we're heading into September. We start business planning for the new year. And so I was just kind of looking at some different lead sources and things. And you see all the reviews. And I think this is what every every single real estate agent would um, would say that all of those lead sources are terrible and that none of them work and all of that stuff. But they obviously do. Like those people legitimately sold. Yeah. It's just time. And it was just a matter of somebody needed to follow up with them. And even if you would have gotten, like I said, using loose conversion numbers, gotten some of them, the potential there was 600% return on your investment. So that's better than anything else except for Sphere. Right. Go back and listen to the Sphere of Consequence. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say, and then you can do your intro, but real quick, that's 600%, not including buyers that you got off of those listings oh, or right. if yeah. they were buying or too. if they were don't. buying and selling at the same time. Oh man. Don't. don't. Yeah. <laughs> Which is realistic that you're going to get buyers from those listings and that the chances are those people are either going to, when they're selling, it's not their, they're not going to just not buy a house. Right. They're not going to go renting. They're either going to buy a house here or they're going to, you're going to get a referral from yeah, it, finding from them. them, finding them something else. So it's not 600%. It's way higher than that. Thanks a lot. No. Anyway, <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, we're. I think we're recording a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, we. This is our podcast. It's called Seeking the Best, uh, where we look to find the best in ourselves and overcome the personal hurdles as real estate professionals. Across from me is our director of operations, Kayla Boundy. Hi. And our producer extraordinaire, Patrick. Hello. And then I'm the co-host. Um, Catherine Stelgis. <laughs> I had to think about my name there for a second. A six hundred percent got you. I know. I'm still. Yeah, I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> no, but th- this is this is what we do. Like we're looking for how can we improve on that because that is a sad number. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if you look back, we did sell from that lead source. Yeah. 
it paid it paid for itself. Is it that what you're saying? Barely, like what, barely. What it, it barely paid for itself with right. the business that we so you, did. So you broke even. With yeah, it. you didn't actually make anything. Essentially, you broke yeah. even. I yeah. chased a dog because of this lead source. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we we did, we did we we did sell. Um, we we sold because of the lead source, but. The, the missed opportunity there is so staggering. And then it also shows though, like why it's so important to keep following up because everybody is just at some different cycle of their, their selling or buying process. And for a lot of those people, they might've inquired a year and a half ago thinking we're going to retire in two years. I'm just making stuff up, but like we're going to retire in two years. Well, and then COVID happened and then they said, well, I guess we shouldn't move right now. And so they've put a pause on that decision-making process so there's still there's 15% at this time but at some point i mean yeah realistically it's going to be 100% at yeah, some point, at some well, point. Yeah. but um, yeah. but but there's really probably more in there even that would have sold this year already cuz right. we're we're still on with, almost done with this year yeah so a, a lot of those probably just didn't happen because of what's going on now so so much missed opportunity there and as painful as it is to look back on that I've never done that before where I've actually looked at what was missed. We always look at what's our return on what we're doing and how effective is it, but I never look back to see what we should have done or could have done. And it's just, it's very, um, yeah, it's eye opening and also makes you really think through what's important about this lesson and how can we make sure that doesn't happen anymore. So now we're going back through all of those old leads and calling them again and seeing where they're at in the process and making sure that they're set up on a follow-up plan from this point forward. Yeah. Right. Even though we've missed out on so much. Because 15% of them have sold their homes, give or take, but that means that 85% of them Still. inquired about what their house was worth. You know, they're homeowners and they are at some point going to sell. Yep. Right. So now it might be a little bit more difficult in the contacting because they might have that time lag. Well, it's been it's been a, a little bit of time since. Well, and we are noticing like some of the phone numbers are disconnected now. Right. Or, you know, is that an email address that they use? And it? you don't do you have this? You don't you turned off this lead source, whatever yeah. this company was that you will keep in. I might, I might turn it back on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have to go through all these things. We'll set a well, achievement before we go see, ahead and treat yeah. ourselves to that. I was thinking about that though, because these are old, and and one of the reasons why uh, those people didn't get called again and again and again and put on some sort of a plan was because you both were too busy to do it yourselves, and you weren't in a position of where you had anybody who could be doing those calls for you. Now you have an inside sales agent, so. Um, and we can get into the minutia of that, but what I was going to say is that, you know, it's like, that's a good list to have. It's an old list and it's a good list, but what, why, I don't understand what the reason would be to punish yourself to work from an old list when you can easily just work from a new list and do it like, and turn it back on. Oh, because... It's crazy. Pay anything well, because it's crazy expensive. Something? And right. no, I know that. But once you have a, an inside sales agent that knows what they're doing, then at that point you just turn the list back on. Well, yeah. and and we might choose to add that back into our budget now that we've seen like I could the potential. I could say that that's like a pretty effective lead source, or at least it was. Yeah. yeah. Um. That's what I mean compared to, you know social media leads but, or whatever. But the whole the whole point of that though makes you realize that probably every single lead like and I've heard I've heard people say this before like we don't have a lead generation problem, we have a lead conversion problem. Yeah. And so until we like you just said until we treat ourselves to <laughs> more new leads, how about we make sure that every single other lead that we've gotten this year um and all of those old ones have been touched because there's gold in there. That, that needs to be mined. And yes, we do have an inside salesperson now, but we can't just start spending more money on new things when we no, have all of this missed opportunity. I understand that, but using your gold mine analogy, um, there's a mine that has 90%, 80% of the gold taken out of it. And then there's a brand new mine that no one's really mined yet. Yes, you could mine that other mine all the way down and get every little 
piece of gold out of it, or you could just start on the new mine that has all the gold in it and let somebody else worry about that other mine that has a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but you have to you have to lead with revenue. Like we have to pay for that new service. We can't just turn that on because we know that it's if you, it's there's no effective. reason Yes, there's no reason to turn it on if the person or the people if no one's calling or the people that are calling aren't good at conversion. And because it doesn't matter what where the lead comes from, they're not going to convert it, right? Cuz they don't know what they're doing. They're new. They they they're they're not talented enough. They're the what whatever the reason is from the fleet of of inside sales agents that you have on no matter what size team it is um but if you, your team your inside sales agent is doing the conversion rate that he should they should be doing right well he's then at that point there's no reason at all not to say we'll use this list when we hire um inside sales agent number two to work off of and inside sales agent number one is going to work on all these new leads. And then yeah, that right. second inside sales can work and practice on those old leads. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's definitely something to to consider to add to the budget for the following year or when we add new things. But you have to pay the way for that. So first we have to see results. You know, we just hired this person. So we have to see the results. We have to pay our way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't just throw no, I, in another... I well yeah you don't make a huge investment on something that isn't stable. Well, this and is by the only way stable until when the person who's doing that job is doing it to a, a you know sustainable a, a level. successful yeah to a successful well, level. And by the way, you know, I have said this before, and I stand by this statement. Um, this is why I don't pay for Zillow leads. And I know a lot of agents, like they just think Zillow leads are all bad or whatever. It's expensive. But the point is, is that you'll actually get, you'll get so much stuff. And let's say if 15%, that's pretty good actually, like usually with internet leads and especially like that kind of buyer pool um, is like a 2% conversion. So when you're paying, I, and I don't know what Zillow leads are going for these days, but I've spent the money before and I couldn't keep up with all of them as a single agent. So when when you're thinking about adding and spending money, you can't just throw this stuff on because we've made that mistake before. You can't just say like, oh, well, so-and-so is doing really well with this. I should add this lead source on. And it's like, yeah, but who do they have that's that's able to keep up with the inbound business? Because if you get like 50 new leads, that and I'm making stuff up. I have no idea what, yeah, what fine. you get, but if you get 50 new leads and two, what's 2% conversion on that method on 50 new leads. Yeah. Well, one appointment. Yeah. It's one. Right. Basically. So that's one, one out of 50, but you have to have, you have to dial them all like speed to the lead. You've got to get to all of them quickly. You've got to follow up with them, all of them repeatedly. That's how you get that conversion rate. And, and that's, only one out of 50. So you can't just start spending thousands of dollars without having gotten to a point where you have somebody either there to call them or, or multiple people. Otherwise it's just ripping up dollar bills. Like that's how I feel about oh, yeah. what we've done in the past with some of this stuff. Yeah. It's like, I might as well have just taken the and dollar even, bills even and checks and ripped it into pieces. <laughs> and I remember a very, very long time ago, like back, I think before you were even using this, this, studio now is your office um maybe before we we moved into this house that you took a really big chunk of money and put it towards leads back then and um i wonder if what you know now if you would have known that back then if you would have been able to use those leads because it was like oh it's nothing none of these people but i doubt you had things set up in such a way that you were supposed to, that you were contacting those leads the way you were supposed to um because there's so many moving parts and as a single agent like you don't unless you have that personality type but creating the systems that like you can foresee in the future with the follow-up and communication aspects for that lead you, you don't have that down well, yeah, like what are you supposed to do? So on the source that we were talking about that were the home value leads, it's like, yes, 15% of them sold over the course of a year and a half. That's a lot of people missed opportunity, but they didn't all list right away and sell their houses right away. So most people don't. And I would say sometimes I wonder, you know, do we have the the staying power for six plus months of follow up 
Well, we're making sure we do now that we have an ISA and have somebody to systematically call. But otherwise, if you don't, like you'll get to a point where you just think that lead is dead and you throw it in the trash. Right. That's because there's so many loose ends because well, there's no system to it's, it. It's not even that. It's that it's that you've moved on to other leads. Yeah. Well, like right, because you're go, looking for the low-hanging fruit. You, right. Mm-hmm. You that's want, what it is. And that's and that's a way to get to the first plateau. But if you want to get to the second plateau and the third plateau, you have to get all of the fruit. Yeah. So well, you can't you can't uh That's that's the problem. And even with um you know, we've had buyers agents before where they were the ones who were supposed to be calling leads. And I think that happens a lot where they're just looking for what's gonna convert fastest, which makes sense. It's no like yeah. it's no judgment. It's like you've got to make money and you mm-hmm. wanna make money. So but you're constantly looking for what what's gonna close the fastest and who are the hottest leads and all of that. And then all of that other stuff just keeps backing up and backing up to when the point when that person is actually ready to do something. We've we've stopped calling them. Oh yeah, yeah. So not going to happen anymore. No. I t- I told our ISA I was like, this is going to be a well-oiled machine, and you are the one like running it. <laughs> so, um, let's do this. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's an expensive lesson, but at the same time, I'm glad we looked back on it and now know, you know, we'll, it's just priority and awareness. It's yeah, you kind of have to know. know. You have to know what what you missed out on put you on notice (laughs) um sorry (laughs) i said that a lot i guess yeah you do um in the office not on the podcast i don't tell people that i'm gonna put them on notice do i no you don't you don't tell people it's more so towards yourself um anyways i've totally lost my train of thought that's okay we can take a break (laughs) okay all right let's take a break And we're back. Oh, whose phone was that? Sorry. I think it, was it your phone or was it my computer no, in the other room? That was me. Just turn uh, the sound off. That's fine. I you don't have to turn the you've got a, phone off. Now you got to donate to KW Cares. KWKC. <laughs> KW Kids Can. Um, speaking of re- return on investment, I think our biggest is always and forever our sphere and past clients. Sphere. <laughs> Um, I think it's like double what the number was. What do you mean, we were... speaking of return on investment? Is that about kids first? Is that what you meant? Because yeah. she said kids care kids and can. you were talking kids can and that they're an investment. I mean, they are. Oh, Is that no. what you're... <laughs> you add up <laughs> the dishes that they wash and what, the laundry what do you, they fold. What, do you, what, did that, what, what did that mean? <laughs> speaking of return on investment from the segment before, oh. I like had basically tuned out all that that was happening. Oh, okay. <laughs> Common. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. So sorry for the confusion. Anyway. I just meant, speaking of return on investment, like we were talking about with that lead source. Right. Our, I think our biggest return on investment is and always has been um, sphere and past clients. Right. And I think it's like double what that was. Which well, it's is, why you've spent so much, to, you both have spent so much time over the years cultivating and figuring out ways to take care of those people and to stay in touch with them. Yeah. Because you see it as your biggest uh, return. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well yeah, I, we, I mean, see it as it, it is your biggest return. So you, you take, and I don't know how much of that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You know, because you do all of those things, it becomes your biggest return or is it they're your biggest return and so you do all of these things like mm-hmm. i think it's a little you know it's a little, a little both. Li- yeah a also little bit. a little of like we've worked with these people before so we've known we we enjoyed working right. with them but th- i'm just saying like there are other agents where S- sphere might not have the return that you guys have with it yeah. and well, th- and they work with them before and they've true. done all that stuff so why would you guys why would your return be so much higher than what well I do think um well I think I learned early on that I when you work with somebody that you know or um is a a repeat clients or like they're the best or referral referral might be better than repeat no it's equal (laughs) um because they already know you trust you like you they listen to your advice they follow what you have to say and uh, the biggest the best thing that I hear and I heard it recently and it just warms my heart <laughs> uh, is when somebody says like, well, you know, Catherine, I trust you. So whatever you think, I, 
first of all, then that gives me like anxiety. Cause I'm like, well, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, but it does, it makes me feel really good because I have been doing this a long time. I am the expert. It feels good for somebody to value your opinion, but you only get that usually when it is somebody who's done business with you before or has had other people do business and they've referred you and they've talked you up so much that that person has blind trust in you. Like they don't really know you that well, but they just know, hey, if so-and-so says you're the best, I trust it and whatever you say. Well, that's the first case is earned respect and the second case is borrowed respect. So yeah. it's, but we, and we've talked about that before. Once you've earned that respect, then you can kind of do things, you know, then when that trust is there, you can kind of help them, you know, go up that mountain. Yeah. We've, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. But that once you do that a couple times, I think you realize how, how much better it feels to work in those environments versus somebody that you don't know at all. And you're like pulling teeth to get them to listen to you. Right. It's like you hired me, but yet you don't want my advice. Yeah. Either that um, or they're not responding. So you don't know how they're reacting and yeah. you don't know how to have the further conversations. So once you feel that experience, then you really like, at least for us, I think we just have dug in on that and then it pays off. It is. It's like, it's, we enjoy working with those people more. Oh, that sounds bad. I, I call people. <laughs> um, but that's lower, just, it's lower stress. It is, you, yeah. you know, you understand there's a, a relationship dynamic that already exists. Yeah. And so that doesn't add to the stress of the, of the, the, the job. Yeah. Well, and so if, if you feel that way, then you dig in on that and then you see the results because you've doubled down on that activity. You see the results show up and then that fulfills, like you said, that fulfills that feeling and then you keep doing it. It's a circle. Yeah. Um, and so that's always been the biggest return on investment because it also, you spend less. That's why it's a bigger return is you spend less, even though you're, we're doing raffles for these people we're doing client events all of those things still add up to less money than it costs to spend on farming and farming and neighborhood and all those other things and even like i said that that lead source that we tested the potential there was 600 but look we didn't do that right because we didn't have those the systems in place at that time now can we turn that into something in the future sure maybe now that we see the potential is there but I think most of the time that's what happens is that well, this, it, that's you what, don't know the outcome of something. And so it's easier to say, well, these are all garbage leads and this system doesn't work. Well, I mean, I'm sure a lot of newer agents that would be listening to this or if we talk to uh, Catherine th- two and a half years into the business, um, didn't have the systems in place to follow up with the, her sphere or with her uh, past clients to a degree of where she was making uh, where the percentage of sales that were coming from that was probably very small, yeah. but it took years of figuring it out and putting the systems in place to have a VIP program, to have the client uh, appreciation days and to have all of the other things. I do wish and somebody that would be the same way with these, with these, old leads if you and if you turn that back on it's a matter of having the time now to put the systems in place so the correct follow-up is happening the way that the correct follow-up is happening with your sphere and past clients well i wish that somebody would have told me to build a sphere to 200 when i first got into real estate but i went you know i joined a different company and we did have some kind of training program um but and i remember handwriting note cards but there was no like build it to this number and there's like there's there's numbers and science behind the 200 number and why that's so important. And I just I wish that's a big missed opportunity. I wish it it forces you also at the 200 to think outside of the box of the this eight people that, you know, and you're, you're like, OK, well, I guess I'm done with my sphere sphere. I've got 36 people. Yeah. And it's like you didn't you didn't push yourself to come up with 200 and you that for by coming up with 200 and getting a new agent to do 200 it forces them to think outside of their closest friends and and of what the sphere is supposed to be you know you know what i mean yeah well yeah it stretches it stretches you to like actually think about who you know that might be able to support you in real estate 
And I don't think that was never pushed upon me no. uh, with the first company. And then when I moved over to Keller Williams, I was already an agent in production. So again, they, they just let you run, you know, yeah. like you already have been doing it. So do your thing. So I, that didn't really um, get ingrained in me until probably too long into the business. And I had missed out on a lot of opportunities that Sphere bought and sold houses because I didn't communicate to them that they should sure. use me. If you, and I think we've talked about this before. Catherine used to be a bartender years, oh, year, years, years and years and years ago. I make a mean rum and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> if it's like two mixers. I was going to say Jaeger, Jaeger shot. Yeah. She's all about it. This was a long time ago. You this know. is when Jaeger was really popular. Pre, Jaeger pre, and Red Bull. Yeah, it was pre-craft cocktail post oh, Goldschlager. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Can you think about this for a moment? How long ago was that? It was a long time ago. I don't like, want. I don't want to think about oh it. Oh my gosh! But my <laughs> now I feel really old. My point was That's is so that cute. is that you if you would if somebody would have told you you need to make a uh, your sphere of two hundred back when you were bartending, you would have had to f- force yourself to sit down and think of all of the people that were regulars that had come in and had been there and met and you'd watch people fall in love and right in front of you all 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 of of that stuff and you would have created a list from them but the reality was is that nobody told you to do that and so it's like yeah i know them but not really and so they never got put on a list now if you would have been following and following up with those people you that's 200 more people and then the 200 people that you know or the the number of people that they know and the people that they know well i actually should go back in time because well we say this all the time but um you know when when a new agent is trying to build to 200 i mean the first thing you do is go to facebook because how many friends do you have on facebook at least like most people have 700 to a thousand friends yeah and i would bet uh, this is completely not based on any factual evidence, but I would bet that at least 30 to 40 percent of any friend list that you go to, the, those are the local people that you know. Wouldn't you agree? Does yeah. that sound about right? Just in passing. People that you knew in passing that you if you called them up and said, hey, this is so and so, they would know your name. Yeah. They would be like, I recognize that person. That's all it has to be to be your sphere. But and sometimes I, I think People I should just go back and, be your and restart building because I have I've lived here a really long time. I went to school here, college, not um, high school, and uh, and then had a um, a lot, you know, worked at the bar a long yeah. time. And we won't say the name of the bar, but I can tell you that on an average Friday night. 800 people walk through the door and there are like a lot of people are you know facebook friends that i knew from that time period and so you know this is what you get in the habit of doing like oh they know i'm in real estate like oh they already know we've talked about how terrible of an attitude well they're not they're not actually in my sphere being marketed to they just yes they might happen to see a post or something but are they really going to think of me and real estate in the same sentence if i'm not talking to them regularly no so, you know, those, those are some missed opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I think those are pretty big this missed opportunities. This is a downer conversation. No, we're seeking the best. We're supposed to be open about our downs, <laughs> and then we're supposed to seek the best to overcome them. Okay? <laughs> Did you memorize that? No. <laughs> yeah, that's that's missed. But, yeah, I definitely think there's probably 30 or 40% on Facebook in anybody's yeah. that's local, and that's the first place to start, and that would give you... Like 300 people. Yeah. And right then, there. Then, and if you're getting all all pumped up and you want to go do that, all you have to do is ask, is go and Facebook message every single person and ask them for their home address and their yeah. telephone number. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now you have their home address, you have their telephone number and you have their, their social media and or, you know, get to, get their email if you can. And now you've got a database I to know. be able to start marketing to these people and contacting and asking for business. Like yeah. we said, the, the, the goal is always to what the goal is to talk to those people get enough to get well, you get their contact information. But the goal is to talk to them frequently enough that when they hear somebody else say the word real estate, that they interrupt the conversation and go, I have somebody for you. And the only way that they're going to remember your name or have be in, you're going to be in the front of their head is if you just talk to them. Yeah. 
So that's your goal. Well, so yes. So this, I'm sorry. That's a, I'm really off track no, of what we're talking about. But no, I don't I'm, think so at all. Okay. Um, no, that just, that reminded me. So when I was, um, when I was a kid, uh, uh, the people that lived across the street, at least until I was like high, in high school or something, the guy was an attorney and my mom, I heard her over my lifetime, like refer to him as her attorney. She never used an attorney for anything in her life. <laughs> she didn't need a lawyer, but like you have those people, like I have a dentist, yep. I have a doctor that I go to and I refer people to, even though I've only been there like once or twice. <laughs> You know, um, but I refer business to them because I, I enjoyed my experience and yep. then I like to be, you know, I like to be able to connect people to people in the area. So, you know, how do we become that person for other people where it's, it's like they don't even necessarily have needed, have, have used us before, but that we're the person that they're referring and thinking of, I guess is what I'm thinking with my mom's situation. Like she never used him, but they talked enough times and he he was her attorney if she ever needed one. Right. And so how do we become that realtor of choice, that person that even though they bought a house in 1980 and they're not moving anytime soon, they still would re- recommend us. Just sharing right. our own conversations around real estate. Hey, Kat, make sure you're talking into the middle of the mic. Middle. Am I over on the side? Yeah. yeah. My cousin recently messaged me because over time, obviously, I've shared real estate and my career with my family and he's they live in New York. So I don't talk to them often. But when I do, I mention real estate here and there, not to sell them, but to catch up. Well, he messaged me just like a month or two ago and he's like, hey, I think I'm ready to buy a house. Can you help me with that? And we started to have a conversation. And the only reason why he messaged me is because he received something in the mail because he recently purchased a truck. He received something about being uh, a pre-approval or you're pre-qualified for a pre-approval for a loan. Uh-huh. And that's what he sent to me. I was like, thank you so much for thinking about me. <laughs> and this is what this is. Yeah. <laughs> you, first, you purchased a truck right now. So let's have that conversation <laughs> and then we'll move on. Well, that and look, you weren't even trying. No, so it was just because in the past I've uh, had conversations. Right. So imagine being a buyer's or I'm not a buyer's agent, well, a buyer's agent too, but being an agent by yourself, if you actually, that was you just kind of casually yeah. doing it but if you're dedicated and you're focused on doing that and you have an eight by eight set up for your friends or or, or what however you want to or or how wh- whatever the plan is yeah of touches for your over the year um how successful you could be at that yeah well so when people say they don't have any leads or they don't know what to do to get started that's what you do that's number one on the list and it is really easy. It's it's not easy to pick up the phone and call people. I'll give you that. Nobody nobody really wants to call people because you feel like you're bothering them. But it's really easy to have normal conversations and real estate will naturally come up, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not you weren't even intending on soliciting business from your family, no. but because you talk to them regularly and you talk to them about your job and your passion and your career that you that it comes across that you would be somebody that they would think of. Yeah. So I think that that's just a reminder that and, and you know your scripts as well um, in that process which is uh when you do when real estate does come up and you say are you looking to uh maybe buy or or sell it's do you know anybody who's buying who wants to buy or sell right along with that right along with asking them directly asking if they know anybody directly well, and because those two things go hand in hand. So that when you ask Joe, do you know anybody who wants to who wants to buy or sell real estate? And Joe goes, no, I can't think of anybody. And you do that over and over and over again. When Joe does hear about somebody who wants to buy real estate, then there's a connection being made. Or when Joe if, says, I want to buy now. He's like, oh, that guy just he always asks me if I know somebody. I do. It's me. I, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. The, I don't know that I've ever actually used this script specifically, but it always has stuck in my head of, of just when you're talking to somebody maybe new. So like if I were to go back through um, old sphere that maybe isn't actually being communicated with regularly and call them up that to just ask them like, hey, I'm just curious if you have a realtor that you sent that you trust and send business to and use when you have a real estate need and just ask them if they actually have somebody for that service. Right. Because, again, they might need anyone right now, but it doesn't hurt to kind of find out. Do you already have somebody in your life that fills that role for you? Right. Yeah. Because well, if you don't, then like, hey, can I be that person? Well, yeah, I, I, 
there's elements of that that I like. The elements of it that I don't like is that you're asking them an open question of where they can easily say, yeah, my brother does it. And then that's the end of the conversation. Whereas if you don't do that, that person's brother could be out of the business in six months. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because actually, um, just because they say, well, yeah, my brother does that doesn't mean that you take them out of your rotation. Okay. I just, I just mean, well, it depends, right? It depends like, is on your, how they say it too. Is your brother, like, is he a high level successful agent? Right. That's probably going to be doing you this seen for his, a long time. You've seen his billboards, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like maybe just understand who the brother is before you remove them from your database. But I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a little bit off topic, but also not, um, that actually are, uh, in some calls, I saw a note in, with some calls about somebody's son was in real estate. And I'm like, yeah, but so what? Because I've, and I think I've said this before in this podcast, I have clients that will probably be selling pretty soon. I sold them their house that they bought. At some point in the last two or three years, their daughter was a licensed agent. And I thought at that time, like, oh, well, I guess they're gone. She said, the owner of the house said, We're, uh, we really want to use you, but yes, we have to because our daughter. Yes. Is and owner. by the way, I never stopped communicating with them. And the daughter is now not in real estate anymore. <laughs> and so when they're ready to list, guess who will be the person getting the phone call? Right. And I did because I, it's not because I didn't have faith in the daughter. I don't know her at all. It's just that I know there is a really high turnover rate. And those are really solid past clients. So I'm not just going to toss them out because all of a sudden they know someone else in real estate. There's so many people with their real estate license in the city. Like you could walk out the front door and run into somebody with one. So I don't, I wouldn't remove people just because they say they have someone. I'm just, I'm just saying if, if you're having those new conversations, like it doesn't hurt to kind of ask like, Hey, do you have somebody that you consider? Like everybody has a doctor, a dentist, a handyman, whatever. Do you have somebody that you refer real estate business to? And if they say no, well then you've got somebody that could really be. Sure. Yes, I agree. I, yeah. <laughs> Open no, door. I, yeah. I agree with that. Totally. I do. I feel like you were like step dogging. <laughs> no, 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 no. I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. I've never used that script. I, I just, I think it would be, why not? Why not just ask? That's a good script to use on FISBOs too. Just ask them if they have that point. And when they do decide to sell and use the representative, do they have one already that they're going to connect with? Oh, yeah. you don't? Save my number as Catherine Realtor. Yeah. So there, I, that, I, I think that could work too. The only problem with that is I feel like when you're calling cold people that you don't know, they're more likely to say, yeah, I'm all you. set. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you could still ask. But I think when you're calling Sphere, like you legitimately know those people, they're not going to like buy. You're not trying to sell them anything. No. Right. At that moment, you're really the, not. They the don't fi- have a real estate need and you're FISBO, not trying to. The FISBO has their guard up and they're like, what kind of a scam are you trying to run? Yeah. Like, what is it that you're trying to back me what into you when you're doing? asking me this? <laughs> like, it's like when it's somebody that you know, yeah. it's, there's no guard up. No. Yeah. I, th- I think when you're talking to people, you know, you can be a little bit more just like open and. I've said before, um, I mean, it doesn't hurt to just say, especially if you're like a new agent, just say like, hey, I just got my license. I'm trying to build my business up. You know, I would really love your support in that. Can I count on you if somebody asks about real estate? Like just ask Most them. of the time, good people will just listen to you, say congratulations and say, I don't know anybody right now, but I'll definitely think of you later on. Yeah. At least that's what I would do if my friends were to call me. Yeah. yeah. Ask them if they want to join the team first. But if you weren't, if you weren't in the business, if you had nothing to do with real estate and, um, Sean was in real estate, you had not, no connection to real estate whatsoever. And somebody, one of your friends called you and they called you repeatedly. They called you, uh, on the first of this month and said, Hey, do you know anybody or are you yourself thinking about buying a home or do you know anyone who wants to buy or sell a home? And you said, no, but blah, 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 blah. Keep my eyes open. Okay, thanks. And then in three to four weeks, they called you again and asked you the same thing. And then three or four weeks went by and they called you again and asked you. It would take maybe one or two other times of them doing that before you started having your eyes a little bit wider open to where you heard the word real estate. And then I thought of them. And you thought of them directly, right? That's true. The pure romance girl. After our event for my my sister's uh, bachelor party, we had the pure romance set up. She called me every month 
four months in a row she called me and now i know her name and when somebody wants to do one of those that's pure romance i'm stupid i would never do one um <laughs> but if somebody were to ask one i would recommend her They're, because she was be a, a great sponsor. host <laughs> that's okay because <laughs> she was a great host and she called me every single month yeah every i mean that's month, what that's what, that's what we're talking about right is that's what that's what it is yeah. I mean, you just do that wait can i ask you a question what we're just gonna, we're just gonna keep talking about this um so she called you every month for four months. Mm-hmm. Have you heard from her since? Yeah. I la two weeks ago or so. She sent okay. me um a program that she has coming up for the fall this year if I knew anybody to share with them. So she you she hit you every single month and mm-hmm. now and now it's now she's put you on a twelve by twelve. Yeah. Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah. She she did an eight by eight and a twelve by twelve. Yeah. But this and maybe we've talked about this before, but I don't think so. Um we just put on a new roof. And we might have talked about this a little bit in one episode, but we had contacted someone like probably two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that guy, he like followed up every single yeah. month for like a year, right? Almost. Yeah. Almost a year. And then he stopped. And then we forgot about him. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we didn't actually. You didn't f- use him for your roof? No. no. We, didn't, we didn't use them, not because we didn't want to or because I had lost his information or had even forgotten about him because we didn't. But that particular company and what they were doing, the price was a lot higher than what we ended up going with. I don't think it was, but it, well, (laughs) I don't think it ended up being round. It didn't end up being, but that says that the other, that, that one would have been that much more too. Yeah, but the same I do, amount of wood needed to be replaced under the shingles, regardless of what the company. But to to that point, maybe but, we didn't completely forget about him, but he stopped. Yes, and we still replaced our roof. Yes, and it just took us longer than we thought it was going yes. to, and that happens all the time. And you that was think? a missed opportunity because had he yeah. kept in touch with you every month, yeah, would we have but, even? He, he might have left the company. Is, it's True. possible. Yes. But if he had kept in touch with us oh, every yes. month. I would have called him for sure. We may not have even gotten another quote. Right. Because then it would have been two years of follow-up. And right. we yeah. almost been like, and it felt obligated. For, yeah. for, for a roof, I mean, this is totally uh, d- down a little rabbit hole. But for when you're a roofing company, it would be really easy to check the list of uh, uh, potential clients that you have because of the estimates you've done. You have their addresses and you could go and see what permits were pulled. And if the permit hadn't been pulled yet, you know that the roof still needs to be replaced. If the right. pull, if the permit was pulled, then you can go ahead and get rid of them. Right? Why list. would you it's ever super easy? To why do. would you ever stop calling us? Yeah, we. Either. You know how old our roof is. Like yeah. you know, we're gonna have to do it. Yeah. In the next couple of years, so that's just an example though, where you start to feel like, oh, it's just a cult. They're they're dead lead now, and you stop following and, up. Yeah, and we weren't. And we weren't. We did it. And that was a missed opportunity for him. Sorry, guy. (laughs) And on that note, let's take a break. The Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Look B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. Hi. Hi. What's next? Uh, We have time for a recurring segment. Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Questions from the All right. <laughs> that makes me want to do like parkour. <laughs> All right. On this, uh, this week's segment, questions from the web. Uh, I got a question for you, and hopefully you can answer it. It's for me. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm a relatively new agent, two years under my belt. This is my first time uh, having an appraisal come back low. It's 93% of the offer price. Have you had any luck with 
contesting an appraisal. I believe I have comps to support us on top of the ones I gave the appraiser on the day of. This is a lower price listing too, so the money gap is a bigger issue uh, for both sides. Uh, appraisals. Um, yes, I will take this one because I love disputing appraisals. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, we have a very good track record. Very good. Very Catherine good track record. Very good when it comes to numbers. I really enjoy telling appraisers they're wrong. Um, what, 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 when you say very good track record of the number of appraisals you can test, how many of them? I think it's like nine out of ten. Only the, the recent, recent one has been the hard one, but before that, they, it was and they every did, single one you got. They did raise that one. It they just did didn't go lot. all the way up. No. Um, yeah, so let's call it how 90. Do you, how do you do it? So, let me tell you all about it. Okay, well, first of all, um, both parties have to agree that you would contest it, but it sounds like in this case they did. They did. So it is a challenge. Like you have to go back. Basically, you're you're, and they don't call it a dispute. I call it a dispute, but it is like a reconsideration of value is yeah. what it's called. So the lender has to submit. Usually, there's some kind of form you have to fill out, or and if there's not, you should put together evidence to support why you feel that the appraisal is inaccurate. So like the comps, like they are saying. So the that's question. what I was going to say. So I have multiple times for the first thing I'll do is go through the appraisal and see if there's some discrepancies that come that are very evident, right? Like sometimes they'll, they won't give any value for something that the house has. Like for example, a pool, maybe there's um, $0 given and one house has a pool and the other one doesn't. If you can find a few discrepancies, then you can kind of um, show that maybe the appraiser wasn't being super detailed and yeah. that this is an invalid appraisal. But most of the time, they're going to want to see at least two or three additional comparables that support the price that it was under contract for. And usually that's really hard because you've already, if you're doing what you should do and you've already given the appraiser some comparables the at the appointment, time. then there's nothing left to give. You've already given it. So sometimes you have to either, you know, find some additional comparables or resend the ones that you sent and then explain why you think those are better comparables than the ones that were used. So if, for example, a comparable is closer in location, um, if it's closer in size or condition or something like that, then maybe one that they pulled. So I think what you're saying is be super thorough about yes. what what your reasons are, like actually put in the time, put in the 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 energy to really come up with your yes. defense. Just sending like, uh, okay, here's an MLS sheet of one other like sale that has happened. paragraph after paragraph for each, like writing a paragraph for each point that I you're I usually to make. have spent, you know, like an hour on a, on a dispute. You're like, you're basically uh, writing up a, a draft a, appraisal, a counter to their appraisal. So it has to be really detailed. I'll usually outline you know, why, like each one that I'm sending and why I think it's a better comparable and how it compares. I'll even sometimes look at historical sales. I know this sounds insane, but like think about an hour of time for the deal to stay together. Is worth it. For your seller to make the money that they thought they were going to make or whatever. Um, and the buyer t will be happy too. They have obviously agreed to it. So usually the report, it's like a report that I've put together of, you know, two pages of um, the additional comps and then the information of why that's more valid than the ones that were used and then what if any the discrepancies there are on the report do you ever take the the ones that the appraiser used for to come up with their appraisal and say these are bad because of this this and this or do you just say these are the good ones because of this this and this both both so if there's a bad one then um i might be explaining why that one is not sufficient to like it's use. in the same zip code but it's right next to the highway or something so or so that kind of a thing as an example yes like if there's like a really big reason why well yes that one sold for twenty thousand less but it faces the expressway and you didn't give any kind of adjustment for value of that difference in the two properties and yet no buyer would pay the same price for that house um, I'm very passionate about this. Yeah. <laughs> but we, you know, we had one not too long ago that actually, um, was for a buyer and the woman, the, the appraiser basically was saying that because it was in a, um, different school zone. 
same exact neighborhood, but the school zone line was drawn like right down the street. And I do agree that school zones matter. And some people might be willing to pay more to live in a specific school zone. But what, what I basically was trying to get across to her was this is the exact same neighborhood though. Like they, they are getting the same amenities and the schools that are in this house zone are just as good as the other one. So even though they're different, they're not so different that the house value would be different. And, and it didn't even matter. She didn't, she just chose not to use those because it fell outside of uh, the same school zone. What? And, and our point was, yes, but that house was a better comparable than the one that you chose just because they're in two different school zones, the house doesn't What the if house the house is subject up. and the property itself overweigh the location of a school zone? Like you should look at those factors well, before you look at the school zone factor, right? Yeah, I think it depends. It depends like, on how vastly different those two school zones are. But, but it sounds like this, there wasn't much not, not enough, similar. Not enough of one to make a difference in the price of a house. Yeah. And so, um, so you know, they had to put all of that information down and then share the, the comparables and, and stuff. So every appraisal reconsideration is different because you have to see what you can work with. You know, if they have given three comparables that are legitimately comparables for the house, it's going to be really, really hard to get them to come up in value because they've already picked the three best and maybe they just didn't give as much weight to the pool or the upgraded kitchen as you wish they would but unless you can figure out that 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 it's a legitimate discrepancy like if you could find two houses that sold at the same time that like one had a pool and one didn't and I've done this before um they're called matched pairs an appraiser will use matched pairs so if two houses sold one sold for 350 and one sold for 330. The one that sold for 330, they're both the same, same size, same square footage, you know, bedrooms, bathrooms. The one that sold for 350 had a pool. The one that sold for three, what did I say? 330. <laughs> um, the one that sold for 330 didn't. What does that make the value of the pool in that neighborhood? $20,000. $20,000, right? So if you can find a couple matched pairs and send those and say, hey, you only gave $10,000 for the value of the pool. But I can show and you And yet I here. can show you that I can find two or three houses that were effectively the same. The only difference was the pool and the difference in value every time was $20,000. If you can find that and share that, then they they may reconsider their value. Um but yeah, it is hard. I think the more detailed you are, the more they feel obligated to make a change. Or to pay mm-hmm. attention, to look at it. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, it's like their appraisers. A lot of times it's like, yeah, okay. And <laughs> like, legitimately it's like. It's such a subjective job to begin with. It's like, okay, you won me over. Well, and I sometimes, you know, if it's our, you know, because sometimes it's a buyer, sometimes it's a seller. When it's a buyer, I look at it like it's the listing agent's job to do that work. Yeah. Not ours. But, but you sometimes still do. <laughs> but yeah. But if I've got a buyer who really wants the house and we're really far apart, then I'm gonna have to do whatever I can do so that they can get that house. Because if the seller won't drop the price, then that deal is dead. And so you gotta do what you gotta do to help whoever you're representing. Um so sometimes I've done them for buyers too, because it's the only way we can make it work. And I'm seeing I feel like in this market right now we've seen a lot of them and I think it's because of two things. I don't, is this a recent question? Cause it seems yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's two things. I think number one, I think appraisers right when we went on lockdown and the whole COVID-19 thing was going on, I think they started devaluing properties. Like even if it was just subconsciously, they just started knocking things down a little bit. I agree. Um, they were also doing drive-by appraisals. Yep. Oh, we had one of those right. and it came back low and yeah. it's like, what? You didn't even take the time. You to- didn't even get out of your car. Yeah. You're going to appraise the house. And the- and by the way, on that particular one, that house was um, legitimately, it was a, a three bedroom house and that's how we had it listed. But there was a fourth room that was attached to the master that had its own closet that would have made a great like nursery it was just a, or it office. It was just a walkthrough. But you had to yeah. walk through it. So we counted it as three, not four. However, there's additional value to that extra space mm-hmm. and there was none given in the appraisal because he didn't go in the house. And it was fully, they fully updated the entire thing oh, and, almost. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I know because I did it. 
Well, there are plenty of photos oh, yeah. of that room <laughs> and a walkthrough video of that house. Yeah, so but see, I don't think, you know, I think they just yeah. kind of pulled some, here's some oh. houses that were built in the same period in the same neighborhood and this is good enough. Yeah. Looking kind of at thing. property appraisers, layout and everything. Just comparing I don't know where he way. thought that extra thousand square feet was. <laughs> well, so. In the basement. But getting back to what I was saying, so I think the the one thing was I do think with everything going on, there is some of that going on. They don't want to be uh, blamed again for if if the market crashes or whatever. Now we haven't seen any sign of that. The market's really strong, but I still feel like that's what's going on back then, at least. Yeah, and then now what's happened is because we have so few homes for sale, we have such low inventory that there's no comps to look at. Yeah, so like. Just as an example, I was doing a market analysis today for a, a listing that will you know come up soon, and I can't find a single house that has sold within six months, which we can't, we don't really want to go any further back than that because the, the prices have gone up. Right. Yep. And so in Orlando, the market's gone up 9% since last year. So in six months, it's gone up, you know, substantially. So we can't use the houses that are older without making some adjustment for time and like the fact that it would be selling now, but an appraiser is not going to do that. And so you're trying to find the the value of what you would list a house for, but also knowing that the appraiser is not going to have any comparables to look at. Right. We're going to get an offer. We're going to get it sold overnight because right. the market is moving that quickly. And this is a nice house. But you have to be able to back it up with comps. And there's yeah. nothing and because there's nothing. no houses are for sale. So no houses they're selling. <laughs> You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's we're 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 in a really weird spot and the appraisers don't want to give any value for the appreciation, but if they would, if they would use a little bit older comparables and then give the the value appreciation, then it would match up to what the market is currently doing. But they won't do that. However, when the market was declining, Oh, you can bet that they were taking thousands of dollars off people's values. Now I'm all angry at for the appraisers for for when the market was declining. They were doing appraisals and they were knocking down the value by thousands of dollars because we were in a declining market. But yeah, now we're in an appreciating market and they right, don't do that. Right. So, um, <laughs> so again, like it's not their fault. You know, they just they all want to protect themselves and and they are at the mercy of the data available to them. But that it puts us in this bad spot because the buyer wants it. They're like, I'll pay whatever. I want this house in this neighborhood. And if I have to pay that much, I want it. And the bank is saying, well, if we can't find sales to support that, then we don't want to give you this money. So all you can do is. It seems like what you really want to do is spend the time to to put together two to two and a half pages explaining your numbers and explaining with examples exactly where you came up with your price. And if you do that and it looks like you spent the time on it and explained it really well versus just sending a bunch of comps off yeah. to them. Right. Well, and that's the same thing when I go, you know, go to meet the appraiser. I make sure that they know what the house is all about and that they're armed with the details before they leave, because otherwise it's really easy to so you, just... You go and meet every appraiser when they're going to the appraisal. You don't just... Yes. Have have them just open up or nope. whatever. I yeah. don't like it when they do that. Well, because they miss stuff or they, they have questions and they don't ever ask it. Like every time I've gone to an appraisal appointment, they ask me questions about the house. But if I don't go to an appraisal appointment, they don't email me and ask me the questions. Right. Which means they have questions about the the like when was this updated? Well, you know, all this stuff. And then they, they must just be guessing. <laughs> yeah. Because they're not asking unless I'm physically there. And I just, I think it helps to show like, here's how we arrived at this. And this is what that, this is how we got here. And then also like finding that sweet spot. Everybody wants to get multiple offers and pick the best price and stuff. But sometimes if you know something is unrealistic, like don't go with that offer. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. Like find something that you know, is you're maxing out the most value you can get for the house. That you can prove is. But that is close enough to where the comps were like, it still needs to fall within the range the, of value that was given. And then at least we have comps to support it. Cause otherwise you're just setting yourself up for three weeks down the road, having to deal with a, a dispute. Yeah. Unless it's a cash deal and they don't want an appraisal. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think you answered it. Well, I'm mad about it now. <laughs> All right, guys. One last segment. Oh, yeah. 
Who's going first? Go ahead. My small win is that I worked out yesterday <laughs> because I went like I pushed a couple appointments. Um, well, I didn't push them. I canceled them because we got a little busy and it's so easy to just not take care of yourself. So I'm glad that I I made that appointment happen. Yes. So that's it. My, my whole body hurts today. Well, that, that's my small win. Is that I worked out? No, is that my whole body hurts today. Oh, yeah. I almost finished, as I said before, we were working on a bedroom in the house. Yeah. And um, all of the- office. Yeah. And I, right, as of right now, all uh, construction, sawing, uh, hammering, all of that is finished. There's just a little bit of paint left to do on the trim around the windows, and we can start buying stuff and moving stuff in. So- didn't take as long as I thought it would. Yay. Kayla? I'm excited. We also, uh, oh. I, I should have used my small win. Um, I went ahead and, and bought a new desk and rug and chair. Right. Just a few things to get it for your office. Yeah. Can yeah. we watch Mega Camp in your office? <laughs> I don't think the, I don't think the. Uh, uh, Pat, don't ruin it. No, Just say yes. I don't, I don't think the desk or yeah, the chair are going to be delivered in time. They're yeah, on they, they are. Uh, yeah. yeah. COVID yeah, that's true. kind of kicked everything back. I still don't have a bed frame because ours was on back order and we're we just gonna, didn't order it. We're going to do mega camp in here. Okay. We're, this TV pulls out this direction towards sofa and yeah. we're going to make a fun little. It's like, so cute in here. I'll take it. We're going to pretend that we are in Austin. Yes. We're going to have tacos every day for lunch <laughs> and we're going to bring in coffees. We have to have one dinner together and it has to be um, brisket from somewhere. I don't know where you would find good brisket in Orlando. Oh, there's a few places. There's I've, already, I've shipped. I've I've spent years looking for it finding the best brisket well that's what we're having i thought you were for dinner say, one of these nights. uh charcuterie well yeah that too we have that every time that's gonna be the pre-snack okay fair enough <laughs> what's your small win uh my small win is that i finally have ac in my new car oh ac i thought you said ac a- a like C. a grade and i was like that's not good you got, oh. you got a new car i was an average c student though so it's not that bad <laughs> um i got a new car Congratulations. And I'm super excited. It's been a long time. I haven't had AC in a car since 2014. Oh my gosh. So it's a treat myself and it's a very lavish and I'm excited for it. Oh, AC is not lavish. It's a necessity in Florida. <laughs> I, I am stronger now because of the triumphs that I've gone through with no AC in a car. And I'm proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> We are very happy for you to have AC. Yeah, it's nice. And did the other car that you had, um, did it break down a lot or was it just getting old? It never broke down. Um, It was just, it was just not well maintained and that's on my part. Yes. And also it's, it was really expensive to, to maintain that car specifically. Because it was was, at the age where it was going to. Yeah. There's things here and there and. The, the money to put into it was not worth the value of it right. and no AC, which I could have, I think it was a compressor. I could have. That's expensive. Exactly. That's like, the expensive part. No the new need. compressor. So cool. small win. Happy. Yeah, with it. Congratulations. Thank you. Hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps new listeners to find us. You can also send questions or stories to us at our website on seekingthebest.com. You can leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show. Send us a tweet at seekthebestpod. And for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening. And we'll figure this all out next week. Adios. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.